following message is the word of God for you from the annual conference of the household of David Church, themed Great Grace. Be blessed. I'm glad to be back at Household of David Church. You guys are looking beautiful, I must say. Really beautiful. Wow. Who is the most expectant person here tonight? This for someone is baptism. Fresh baptism. I mean, for someone it's a reference point. It's it's the end of a phase and the beginning of a new one. When Jesus dipped, when John the Baptist dipped Jesus in the river Jordan and brought him out, it was Jesus that went in, it was Christ that came out. Because they said the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God came on him in the form of a dove. You know, baptism is burial and resurrection. So, what who Jesus was up until that point was buried in the river Jordan. And then a new person resurrected, baptized, filled with the Spirit of God. And God's voice boomed from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then it was time for the fulfillment of prophecy. The fulfillment of what God planned from the foundation of the world. So we are here tonight. Because your destiny cannot be fulfilled outside of grace. It was designed to be fulfilled in Christ. So for someone, grace takes over. From human ability. Those that thought they knew you will just suddenly realize they didn't know you. (laughs) They didn't know you. Luke 4.14 And Jesus returned into Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And his fame went abroad. (laughs) So all the struggle to announce yourself, all the struggle so that at least they should know me. They will know you. The Spirit of God told me he's raising new brands. This season he's raising new brands. New brands in ministry, in business, in politics, in the media, entertainment industry. New brands. So there's someone listening to me here. In the next two years, they'll be talking about you. They'll know you. It doesn't take long. (laughs) With God, it doesn't take long. So God is ready and somebody is prepared. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We just ask, let your kingdom come. And let your will be done as you have proposed from heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please let's have a seat. Wow. Awesome. I really love your pastors. I really do. And it's just basically because of something... I've been in ministry just a few years and I've come to realize one of the most important things to God on this planet is your motive. Your heart. Heart. (laughs) Motive. The purity of the motive, of the intention. 
and, and especially because God has had to deal with me on heart issues. <laughs> and until we resolve those issues, he did not allow some things to happen. Sometimes I wanted exactly what he wanted, but not for the same reason why he wanted them. And until my reason aligned with his, nothing happened. All things, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So the, the basic thing I see about them is the purity of their motive. Amen? Ministry can be very tempting. Success generally is very tempting. And in ministry, I've seen a lot of scheming. I've done some. <laughs> it's not that I've seen. I've done some. Okay? And I find it very difficult to work with people that don't trust God, but scheme. Because it's just risky to work with people like that. So, um, I hope you people know what you have. God bless you with pastors with pure hearts. Good. So the way you are clapping shows you don't really appreciate it. So. <laughs> it's the day we stand before God that many will realize how much manipulation happened in ministry. How much manipulation, how much domination happened in church. It's the day we appear before God and we'll be surprised. People that if we were to give the rewards, we would have given massive rewards, huge rewards, <laughs> will be amazed how they just barely made it into heaven. And then we'll see people that we didn't think were anything getting massive results. Not because of what the world calls success, but because of what God calls success. You read Revelations chapters 2 and 3, and you see Jesus talking to the seven churches of Asia. To one, he said, you have a reputation that you are rich, he said, but you are wretched. People are celebrating you, but heaven is not celebrating you. Aha. So, it's... Um, as I, as when I come here, as I relate with them, the one thing that strikes me is that simple trust in God. Amen. So I love you both. And I bring special greetings from Pastor Nike too. Amen. <laughs> uh, it's, it very rarely happens this way. I just landed at the airport a few hours ago, <laughs> all the way from the U.S. I'm supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> but God has some business to do here tonight. Amen. I'm very happy to see Pastor Alex. Let's appreciate Pastor Alex, will you? Really happy to see you. And Pastor Taiwo too. Really great to see you. I really, really appreciate you both. Um, so... If I don't preach a long sermon, you will excuse me, right? Um, I've heard some people criticize us in our church that 
we don't serve people real food in the world on Sundays. We give them only snacks because our services are too short. <laughs> so how can you do a service in one hour, 15 minutes? And say, so, well, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Um, they say we don't give the Holy Spirit enough room to move or enough time to move. I say, well, that's fine. It's true, you know. It's true. You know, it's just that <laughs> since I was born, as busy as the Holy Spirit is, I've never seen him extend one day. So for you to suggest that he needs a long time to do what he needs to do is to diminish him. He's bigger than that. Whatever he needs to do, he can zap it in three seconds. So if you read, therefore, that he walked for six days and rested on the seventh, don't think it's because uh, he lacked the capacity to finish it in one day. Everything he did in six days, he could have done in five seconds. Or even one. Yeah, he stretched it out because he knew he was creating a planet, he was going to put people there, and he was setting the principles by which they will live, not him. So I'm clear about the objective for tonight. It's impartation. It's impartation. I'm just here as a symbol, as a sign for someone that has enough faith. Okay? Because I asked the Holy Spirit many years ago, so how do I get your grace? He said you can get it through prayer. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. He said you can get it from my word. Okay, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. It's the word of his grace. And then he said you can get it from someone that already has it. I said, that's an easy one. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> and Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses, the servant of God, had laid his hands on him. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Okay, Matthew ten one and Jesus called the twelve and he gave them power. <laughs> it's transferable. Okay, so tonight I'm certain about something that for the person that is expectant and the person that does not want to fulfill his or her destiny through human ability, there will be impartation. Yeah. So for someone from tonight, it will be easier than it has been before. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let me start from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. And I'm sure we know the verse already. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We know the grace of God is God's unmerited favor. <clears throat> For you to get what you don't deserve to get. 
for you to have ability that you don't deserve to have on your own. That's the grace of God. What I see from this verse, and if you know me well, you know that I don't have a lot of patience for theory. My focus is on the application of the word. How will this affect my life? Okay, so in the short time that I have, that's what I want to do. The first thing I see from this verse is that one of the deepest works of grace in your life is the transformation of your identity. One of the deepest works of grace in your life is the transformation of your identity. One of the most significant things God's grace would do in your life is to help you become someone you could never have been on your own. Critical. And I think that is foundational to everything else that grace will do in your life. For by the grace of God, I am what I am. (laughs) Amazing. It's only in the light of grace that I am who I am right now. I can only define myself accurately within the context of grace. Wow. (laughs) True grace. And this, this is something I think about all the time and you need to think about all the time. Through grace, I have become whom I could never have become on my own. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what a new creature, a new species. Wow! By the grace of God, I am what I. Am. <laughs> If anybody was a demonstration of that, Paul the Apostle was. Am I right? He was a crazy guy. Crazy guy that was persecuting the church, supervised the murder or assassination of Stephen, got letters of authority, you know, from Jerusalem and was throwing Christians in jail. And amazingly, the same man becomes the greatest propagator of Christianity in his day. Wow! (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And even that faith is not of yourself, it's a gift from God. So the faith itself came by grace. Amazing. For by grace you have been saved. So, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you, a sinner, can within a few minutes become sinless. Just like that. Woo! I mean, Paul the Apostle was a murderer. Murderer. And some of us here committed murder before. (laughs) Especially if you go by the definition of Jesus. It is not when you put a knife to somebody's neck. It is when you think evil. Or you call your brother a fool. You have killed him already. (laughs) 
No. Wait. Once in a while, you need to think about it. You need to roll it over in your mind. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he has made him to be seen for us that knew no sin, so that we, through him, may become, might be made the righteousness of God in him. <laughs> Listen, pay attention to this verse. It's not talking about what Jesus did or what you did. It's talking about who Jesus was and who you are. For he has made him to be sin for us. Jesus became sin. Who knew no sin? That we through him might be made the righteousness of... So it's not just that we have righteousness. We are. We are. Whoa. It's deeper than you think. <laughs> no, it's not about what we did. It's about who we are. I am righteousness personified. Wow. <laughs> That's grace. Because the Greek word translated grace is charis. And charis means gift. Gift. God dashed you. A new identity entirely. Woo! Oh, thank you, Jesus. That, that's the most beautiful thing in this world. Okay? So, when we accepted Christ, it's not just that we got something. We became someone that we could never have been on our own. Thank you, Lord. So, I, I think this should be the foundation for the thinking of a Christian. Um, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's no longer I that live, it is Christ that liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. Woo! So it's not me anymore. It is Christ that is living in me. Wow. So it's this Baptism and resurrection thing. Romans chapter 6 verses 3 to 4. Don't you know that we were... It says, therefore we were buried with him. It says, uh, don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Verse 4 says, therefore we are buried with him through baptism. That as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. We are buried with him through baptism. Into the, the old me is dead. My old identity is... It's one... Listen, I could talk about this thing till tomorrow. Because it's, there's something still fundamentally wrong with the African Christian. Something still fundamentally wrong with the Nigerian Christian. It shows even in our prayer points. 
It shows in our discussions. It shows even in our messages. The positioning is not correct. The positioning is not correct. There is still something that describes a victim in our sense of identity. There is still something tying us down to the past. Okay, this is the way it happened uh, for Israel. So, the generation that Moses led out of Egypt was born into slavery. Their own parents were born into slavery. So, slavery was not just a condition, it was a culture. It was their way of life. They didn't know anything else outside of it. So, by their sense of identity, they were slaves. When you are a slave, you are not an employee. You are a property. You are someone's property. They were the property of Pharaoh. When you are a slave, you are poor. You must be poor. You can't own anything. You are owned. You can't own a bank account. If you do, you and the bank account are the property of your owner. So, poverty is the identity. It's not just a condition. Poverty for the slave is not lack of money. Poverty is who he is. Many people try to deal with poverty in Nigeria or in Africa don't understand what they are trying to deal with. They don't realize they are dealing with culture. They think it's just lack of money. It's more than that. Okay? So they were born into slavery. They were born into mediocrity. Born into mediocrity. Poor quality living. That was all they had known. It was tied to who they knew they were. They were slaves. They were not entitled to high quality life. High quality houses. High quality clothes. High quality to ride for their children to ride bicycles. To where? From where to where? Okay? Poor quality living. Low self-esteem. Inferiority complex. Okay? But then something happened. When Moses told Pharaoh, God said, let my people go, Pharaoh refused. Nine plagues, he refused. Then God said, there's one. When you do it, Pharaoh himself will push you out. Tell each family of Israel to get a lamb. Tell them to kill the lamb. Put the blood in a bowl. Let them put the blood on the doorpost. Okay, put it on the lintel and put it on the two side posts. He said, that night, I will move through Egypt. He said, I will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. So, what's going to happen is not just going to be physical, it's going to be spiritual first. But, long and short of it, the, 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 the point I want to bring out of it is, when you read the story of Israel, truly, in the wilderness, they had all become idol worshippers. They took idols with them when they left Egypt. They, were, they had forgotten the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And those idols now define their identity. Your value can never be better than the quality or the value of who you worship. Worship is worship. Let us make man in our own image. If you worship wood... 
you can never have the same sense of identity as the person that worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, they were idol worshippers. So that night that God made them to kill the lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost, they were reactivating the covenant that Abraham caught with God. Genesis 15. Abraham was asking God, how will I be sure that you give me a son? In Genesis 15, God said, you take some animals, take some birds, cut them in halves, except the birds. He said, I will come down. That's how they used to cut blood covenants in those days. You kill animals to represent the parties. Then the two people involved would walk through the middle of those animals cut in halves. Those animals died on their behalf. And what they were saying as they passed through was, the old me before this moment is dead. There's a new me now. But that new me and you are now fused into one. You and I are now one. So apparently what happened in Genesis 15 was Abraham caught those animals, he walked through and then waited. The Bible says that the birds of the hair came, he drove them away. He was waiting. And when it was dark, it said there was a lamp and a burning torch that showed up and passed through the midst of those animals. It's amazing. God and Abraham became one. One. So Abraham, I know that physically speaking you can't produce a child. But when me and you become one, we will see. What I've promised to fulfill through you must be a product of grace, not human ability. It has to be me. It's got to be me. So Abraham and God became one. Abraham understood it. In fact, you know what I see there in Genesis 15? God was discussing with Abraham what would happen hundreds of years ahead. That's it. When you and God become one, your level of intelligence cannot remain the same. You can function at the same level. Listen, what grace will produce for some of us here today is intelligence. Supernatural intelligence. You will not be stranded anymore where others are stranded. Your thinking will be of a higher order. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So, the covenant was caught there. And Israel had abandoned all that. So that night, when they killed that lamb, shed the blood, put the blood on their doorpost, the covenant was reactivated. They and God became one. You know what naturally happened? The chains of slavery shattered. Because you cannot enslave God. Like Abraham, their forefather, and them had been, they and God became one. The chains of slavery broke off. Their identity was changed. And everything that went with slavery fell out of their lives. That's why they would approach the Egyptians and say, Give me your cooker. Give me your fridge. Give me this. Give me, give me your silver. Give me. And they went, they went and gave them everything. The days of slavery were over. The days of poverty were over. The person that was asking was not a slave. The person that was asking was one with God. You cannot refuse God. He holds the gold and the silver. 
the hundreds of years of working without pay has to be paid back in one day. Someone's season of restoration is here. If, if Satan ever thought that he robbed you effectively and successfully, and he ever thought it was permanent, I'm here tonight to declare he made a mistake. Whatever Satan stole from you will be restored back tonight. That's why they marched gallantly out of Egypt. Unstoppable. Because they had a new identity. It was now they and God. So it's the same thing in the New Testament. Okay, I read about them. Let me still talk about I read about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our forefathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Okay? So they were, first, the lamb was Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says that Christ, for Christ our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. The last Passover that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. He said, he took, gave them the bread. He said, this is my body. Eat it. Give them the wine. He said, this is my blood. He said, this is the last time I'm taking this with you until we meet on the other side. From here, human history will never remain the same again. Even you guys, your identities will never remain the same. Okay? So, Israel... Israel's identity changed through the sacrifice of the lamb. Now the Bible is saying that when they passed through the Red Sea, that was their own baptism. That's amazing. The old Israel buried in the Red Sea, a new one resurrected. Band of former slaves became a new nation. Amazing. You cannot be one with Christ and be tied down to the limitations of your culture. Hmm. We need to rise beyond the identity that is given us by our circumstances. I am a Nigerian. But that is not all to who I am. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. I have citizenship that is higher than Nigerian citizenship. Mm -mm. I have identity that is more powerful than the identity of a Nigerian. It's very, very, very important. The moment Abraham decided to worship the God, our God, the Elohim, he rose beyond the limitations of his circumstances. His identity rose, went higher than that of the idol-worshipping culture that he came from. That's why we're still talking about him till today. 
Joseph was born, yes, the son of Isaac. But his sense of identity was higher than that. He found himself in Egypt, but his sense of identity was higher than that of the Egyptians. They thought he was one of them, but he was not. He was higher than that. He was higher than that. Very important. So I always draw illustration from uh, John 10 verse 30 in terms of how Jesus saw himself. <laughs> the day he made the statement, I and my father are one. Eh? <laughs> verse 31 says, then the Jews took up stones to stone him. So he asked them, for which of the miracles are you going to stone me? They said, we're not stoning you because of any of the miracles, but because you, being a man, make yourself God. Right? That's it. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They understood what he was saying. Nobody had ever made that kind of a claim before. Listen. If your speech is the same as that of everybody else around town, something is wrong with your thinking. Especially as a Christian. Jesus, by that statement, lifted himself higher than that of his contemporaries. Lifted his sense of identity higher. I and my father are one. And they knew he was talking about God. Eh? You and God are in the same class. Yes. It's not my fault. I was born by a human being. Should I now claim that I'm a monkey? Or that I'm a lizard? What will my describing myself as being lower than who I am do for you? I am who I am. I am. If he craved for people's approval, he would not have said it. If he didn't want people to stone him, he would not have made such a claim. So in the process of not wanting to offend anybody, you will end up being less than you really are. I and my father are one. So now, Paul the Apostle says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's no longer I that live, it is who? Christ that lives in me. I and Christ are one. <laughs> my identity has no definition now outside of Christ. So, I cannot be worrying about ancestral curses. I have no ancestral curses. If I tell you that I have ancestral curses, which part of my identity am I referring to? Think about it though. If I claim that I have ancestral curses, which part of my identity am I referring to? Is it the Christ that liveth in me? Of 
obviously not. Because the Christ that lives in me has no ancestral agencies. Am I right? The only ancestry he has is the one he defined in John 10 verse 30. His father and his father has no causes to pass down to his children. Only blessings. Can we discuss ancestral blessings? change this syllabus. The old syllabus is keeping people in slavery. It's not empowering anybody. And it is misdefining people. The fact that it is what the majority believes does not make it right. So Jesus stands before Pilate. Pilate says, tell me, is it true that you are the king of the Jews? You know, many people don't recognize the political dimension to Jesus. (laughs) Eh, That it was because the wise men told Herod, angels appeared to us and told us, there is a child now born in Bethlehem. Oh, he is the king of the Jews. That's why Herod went crazy. He killed all the male children from two years downwards. Make sure Jesus didn't have age mate. Of the Jews. <laughs> so I was saying in church last Sunday when they came and asked Jesus, Should we pay taxes? He said, Bring your money, bring the denarius. Whose image is on it? They said, Caesar. He said, Fine. Then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Now, if you don't understand the political dimension to Jesus, you would only see two individuals there. You will see Caesar, you will see Jesus, or you will see God. But it was not two personalities that Jesus was referring to. He was referring to two systems of government. Caesar was referring to the government of Rome, to the Roman Empire. And God is not just the personality of God, but the government of God. You need to understand the message of Jesus. Matthew 4, 17. And from that time onwards, he went about all Galilee preaching. And his message was repent. Change your, change your lifestyle. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or the kingdom, listen, kingdom, the government, government of heaven is here. Jesus came to introduce another government. They killed him because he said he was a head of government. Once again, Pilate asked him, Is it true that you are king of the Jews? He said, You have said it. <laughs> Thou sayest. It is a, it's a liar. When did I say that kind of thing? It's not true. It is as you said. Thank you, Jesus. Say, ah, we'll kill you. We'll get, can you hear what this guy said? We'll kill him. 
he, he lifted himself beyond the prevailing sense of identity of his day. You and I need to do so. If Moses saw himself as a slave, there's no way he could have, God could have used him to lead the Israelites out of slavery. A slave cannot lead other slaves out of slavery. You need a free person that understands what freedom is about to lead people out of slavery into freedom. Enough of mental slavery. Did I hear you say amen? Yeah. One of the deepest impacts that grace will have on your life is that grace will redefine your sense of identity. Because grace will make you someone that you could never have been on your own. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. Ah, this book of substitution is too sweet. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, you became sin. I became righteousness. Now, you became poor. I became... Not I will become. I became... Not I will become. See, the problem is if you're going to use your circumstances to define your identity, Satan will kill you. It is not your circumstances that define you anymore. It is what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And for as long as that cannot be reversed, who you are cannot be reversed. I am rich. I am rich. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I am rich. Ah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This is the goodest news. Permit my grammar. The goodest news for an African. The goodest news for the person in slavery, for the person in poverty. This is the goodest news. You don't need to go somewhere. You don't need to get a passport. You don't need to do something. You just need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And your identity and your status is redefined. Wow. And you know the amazing thing? It is when... Who you think you are changes that who you are in the physical changes. You will be transformed by the renewing. So, so this is my major encouragement tonight. Define your identity from the perspective of grace. By the grace of God. I am who I am. It's only by the grace of God <laughs> that I, born, you know, whatever you will define, either I was born into a poor family, or me that I didn't even have education, or me that I used to struggle in school, I'm not even very brilliant, you know, 
me, I that this, I that that, I that I have a physical disability. It is only by the grace of God that I could be this special. Amen? Amen. Grace cancels out all of your limitations. Cancels out all of your human disqualifications. In spite of all those things that should have set you back, you are blessed. So, what grace then will do is kill all your excuses for not doing well. There is no sound reason on this planet now why I will not turn out well. Jesus killed all the excuses on the cross of Calvary. (laughs) So, the second bit to it, as I round up then, is for by the grace of God, he said, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I did what? I labored more abundantly than they all. Mm-mm. The Spirit of God sent me to tell you that you should not waste the grace of God. Grace can be given in vain. Grace can be carried in vain. Grace can be wasted. Don't confuse the fact that there is no amount of work or labor that you can do to qualify before God. That's the truth. Now, after Christ has now made you qualified, what will you now do? What will be the result of that? Don't stay just with the theoretical knowledge. In Christ, I am rich. So, let that translate into something. Use it. In other words, first, let your speech rest on the foundation of the fact that you are no longer who you are in the natural. That your identity has been redefined in Christ. Let it show from your words. Stop speaking like a victim. Stop victim talk. I and my father are one. I tell people with confidence I can never be poor again the rest of my life. I know that under certain conditions. If I continue to keep my path of this arrangement. Right? But I can confidently say so because God has never lied before. This thing did not fail on Christ. It's not going to fail on my head. Amen? Amen. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will have to kill Jesus before you neutralize or nullify the scriptures from being true in my life. Two, anything that I do from here or wherever I go, I go with the consciousness of the fact that it is not me. It is Christ that is going there. Eh? <laughs> if you go for an interview, if I go anywhere, <laughs> Lord, I, I fly a lot. Okay, I travel around a lot. Last week I was in the UK. This week I'm... A- anywhere I go, I, as I enter the airspace in the name of Jesus Christ, I enter this country. In the name of Jesus Christ. They will not hear me. Lord, they will hear you. They will not see me. 
It is Jesus they will see. Whatever cannot be refused Christ will not be refused me. Whatever cannot stop Christ will not stop me. It works, sir. The problem is not with Christ. The problem is with my mindset. Once I begin to believe that a visa officer or an immigration officer is big enough to stop me, that's where my problem is. And I switch from me to Christ. It is no longer I. It is Christ. It is no longer I. It is Christ. Christ will now give Nigeria's economy as excuse for its poverty. Several years ago, I was trusting God for a car. So I was, I was praying, I was praying. It wasn't my first car, I would gotten some cars before. But this particular one, I was trusting God for a car. The only thing just said, Stop. Why are you asking me for a Tokumbo car? I said, ah. I thought that was a reasonable thing to do. He said, He said, Do you, do you remember that in this same country of yours, people got out of university? They had their jobs waiting for them. And within two weeks, they got car loan and bought brand new cars. So, so what has changed? He said, yeah, the economy has gone down. The Naira has been devalued. He said, so, so, so. But I said that the just shall live by faith. He said, so what it means is that your faith has been devalued along with the currency. He said, the raw material with which I manufacture faith is my word. And my word cannot be devalued. So obviously the problem is not with my word, it's with your thinking. The next service, I announced to the church. I said, from now, I just want you guys to know. (laughs) This is what the Holy Spirit told me. I'm believing God for a brand new car. Everybody was just looking at me. Like, <laughs> they understood the implication of what I was saying. Brand new. They could not afford it. That's our church at that time. They could not afford it. The church could not afford it. I could not afford it. And they knew. So, some days later, one of our pastors came to me and said, Sir, some church members came to me and said that they, they thank God for your faith. You know? But as some of them were already discussing about buying you a car. And the only one they can afford for now is a Tokumbo car. Now, they're finding it difficult to go ahead since you said, <laughs> Hey, I believe in God for a new car. So, sir, they just they sent me to you they said <laughs> won't it be better for you to at least trust God for, for a Tokumbo car first and then the brand new car can come later I said thank you help me to appreciate them but please just help me to tell them one thing that when I made that statement it was not them I was looking at it's a discussion between me and God Whatever it is God asked them to do, they should do it. I will drive it. (laughs) 
faith is the substance of things hoped for. <laughs> I had no control over the timing of the manifestation. But what God told me, I had to take it. He was saying that I was shooting below my level. I had to believe it and then leave the fulfillment to him. So whatever it is you say you have, now bring it. I drive it. <laughs> okay, but the mistake they were making was to think that because I was a pastor, then my prosperity would be tied to their ability. That was a big mistake. I have an identity that is higher than that of pastor. I'm a child of God. And I and my father are one. So translate this sense of identity provided by grace into words and into action. Amen? Translate it into your plans, where you make your plans. Don't waste the grace of God. Let me, let me, let me close on that. Uh, act in grace. So, Paul says, when I looked at the enormity of the grace that was given to me, I matched it with labor, commensurate labor. I matched it with big goals, matched it with big plans. I dared big things. Grace showed up. If I have become someone I could never have been on my own, then I can do things I could never have done on my own. And I would never know how much I could do if I don't try to do. If I don't try to do something that is beyond my ability. If what you are doing is what you are capable of doing naturally, we can never call that grace. The proof of grace is that it is bigger than what you can afford to do. Am I right? When Joseph spoke to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said in Genesis 41, 38, Can we find a man such as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Why did Pharaoh say that? Because he knew what came out of Joseph's mouth was bigger than Joseph's mouth. Amen? Oh yeah! What Joseph was saying was beyond his capacity. When people see you, they should remember God. You should be the proof that God exists. The early Christians acted in such a way that people looked at them and said, The gods have come to us in the likeness of men. That's grace at work. Acts 4.13 And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, remember that they were ignorant and uneducated men. They marveled. And they remembered that they had been with Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, they can't trace what I'm doing to my education. They can't trace it to my ancestry or lineage. The only place they can trace it to is Jesus Christ. Yay! Yay! That's your testimony from here. That's your testimony from here. The 
kingdom of heaven, the government of heaven, is here. And I hope you can see, that's the only hope. People like that are the only hope for our country. Only hope for Africa. All the analysts doing analysis on social media <laughs> can't help us. This is more than theory. Yeah. Let's vote them out. Vote them out. Okay. Who are you going to vote in? We've been changing people for decades. It didn't change. We've been changing people. It's not about changing people. It's the kind of people. And when the Christian finds his place, finds her place, can define his or her identity now through Christ, amazing. Our thinking must be different. It must be out of this world. If you are a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you must value excellence. This thing must shape your values. Shape your values. I must be different. My environment must be different. Maybe people are not paying attention to it. <laughs> and they are criticizing it instead of thanking us for it. See church. See the way church looks in Nigeria now. Does the rest of the country look like this? They need to come and follow us. They need to beg us to provide leadership for them. Or else they will perish in mediocrity. So, tonight what I see is Israel got to the border of Canaan and said, now, these were not ordinary people. These were leaders from the 12 tribes. Numbers 13. And they came back and said, The land that we went to search out is exactly the way God described it. But the people that we saw in it were giants. And you remember what they said in Numbers 13, 33? And we were as grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their That definition was outside grace. That definition did not take into consideration the Passover. Am I right? It didn't take, over the, take into consideration the Passover. They became one with God. How can somebody that is one with God be grasshopper? See what I'm talking about? From today, let your description of yourself be grace-based. If you don't call yourself something that is bigger than what you are in the physical, you are not speaking grace. <laughs> you know, there's this story that I tell of when I was in school. Of course, I was already saved. I was a Christian. And a, a, a student died on the campus. And you know that shakes teenagers up. Because teenagers don't think they can die. So the thing shook us up. So we were discussing in my hostel, you know, in the bedroom. And somebody just made the statement, you see, you see this life. Eh? When things happen like that, everybody, people become philosophers. Okay? They, they become philosophical. See this life. Hmm? That's it. Anybody can die at any time. The thing just came from inside me. You know, I said, I cannot die at any time. He said, ah. 
Ah, uh, uh, look, this is not a joking matter. Anybody can die at a, I said, I'm telling you that I cannot die just at any time. Say, ah, ah, why are you talking like this? I said, I will explain to you. Eh? I said, there was a man in the Bible named Jacob. Now read the story. Genesis 49:50. Eh? When he wanted to die, he called his sons. He prophesied on each of them. Then the Bible says that he gathered his legs on the bed and slept. I said, he died deliberately. I said, when Jesus was to die, he knew, he said it before they arrested him. And on the cross, the Bible says that he gave up the ghost. The others, they had to break their legs before they died. He gave up his own. He died deliberately. So I said, I'm going to die deliberately. They said, okay, it's true. It's what, what I'm saying is not for people like you. I said, hey, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Eh? So somebody is talking in the bus. Ah, this country, eh? Things are just hard. In fact, what they are doing to the common man in this country, the masses of this country, you two, you are, you are nodding your head. Say, it's true, it's true. You have taken yourself outside of grace. Whatever meets you there. Because outside of grace, the only thing that is left is... I, I didn't want to call you. You are the one that said it so. <laughs> I am not a grasshopper. God and I, Christ and I, can never be grasshoppers. We are grasshopper eaters. They ran away from the giants. They didn't know they were giant killers. Don't set small goals, sir. My dear sister, don't set small goals. Don't run your life anymore by your small brain. Eh? I remember the day I said to God at a five-star hotel in London, Lord, I am sorry. My brain is too small to organize my life. Because here I was in the UK, preaching at the largest church in Western Europe. It was my first trip ever to the UK. And I was preaching at the largest church in Western Europe. Bought first class tickets was staying at a five-star hotel. The reason why I was apologizing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Was because just 12 years before, hmm, I was trying to go to the same country do not return to this country <clears throat> to survive there they had told me I would have to do menial jobs and they said that the one that paid best was washing dead bodies I said I would do it God in his mercy did not allow it to work out 
Even after I got tickets, flight tickets, got everything, like, and the whole thing just shattered. God in his mercy did not allow me to go. And I got refusal after refusal after refusal after refusal. Now the first time I would go. And here I was, five-star hotel. That's why I just lay on the rug in the bedroom and said, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, my brain is too small to organize my life. The way you arranged it is better. <laughs> Woo! Yay! This one is better. When I was done, I went a whole day shopping. A whole day shopping. And when I was done, I deposited 10,000 pounds sterling in my account in London. Because I did not need to bring anything here. Because there was Naira here. No need to change anything. That's why I said my... So I'm just, I'm just describing somebody's story here. The days of struggling with human ability are over. The days of working on plans that do not align with God's plans are over. The days of wasted time. Those days are over. The days of wasted energy. Those days are over. The days of wasting money. Those days are over. The days of normal effort. Big results. Those days are here. The days of getting phone calls that will just change your status. Getting an email that will change your status. I used to try so hard to get money. When money began to come, the thing that would just amaze me is just the how. I don't really care about the amount. I know for you to... God sent me to teach people how to succeed eh, with apostolic grace. And I realized... Why we teach people how to succeed, the one thing we don't teach people enough is how to manage success. It's hard. Success ruins people. Read 1 Timothy 6, from verse 6. You are praying for prosperity. Prosperity ruins people. So, I understand that enough to fight greed. So I try not to accumulate. But I never lack. Anything that God has provided for me. And how he does the providing is an amazement. It's just grace on display. Just grace at work. I'm declaring that tonight, struggling over money is over. Struggling for promotion, over. Struggling to get married, over. The days of grace are here. So I want you to pray because he said, <laughs> Approach the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy 
and find grace in your time of need. Lord, I ask for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be activated maximally in my life. I declare an end to my defining myself by human or natural parameters. I will only define myself from today in the light of Christ and His finished work on the cross. Ask for grace. My reality must be commensurate to my identity in Christ. Lord, bridge the gap between my reality and my identity in Christ. Bridge the gap between my identity in Christ and my reality. of slavery are over and over and over forever. The days of poor quality living over forever. of the fact that I am here under apostolic grace. So I wanted to say this prayer before I pray. Lord, I draw on the grace on your servant. See? Elijah asked Elisha, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want a double portion. Every generation must be an improvement on the previous one. And what I see God doing here tonight is raising people in business. Raising political leaders. Raising leaders in ministry that will define their identity in Christ. For the sake of the kingdom of God in our business world, in our government. Grace. Some people say to me, when they hear me talk about the country, or tweet, or do something, 
So, why don't you become the president? But I happen to know that one person cannot change our country. You need Christ's people at all levels. Amen? You need Christ-like people at all levels. If it's only president that is like Christ, everybody else in the cabinet is a thief, that government will not work. If he sacks all of them, picks another team, and three quarter of them are thieves, government will still not work. Before you know it, four years will be over. We need people like Christ at all levels. So some of you, eh, I'm, I'm saying this tonight because some people are about to explode. Mm. Let me use a language that you will understand. Some people are about to blow. I'm saying this so that you will understand. Because if you don't understand the purpose, if you don't understand the purpose, eh, you will self-destruct. God wants to make you powerful for the sake of the kingdom of God. When he gives you the money, you will make sure nobody ever runs the, gov- the church down in this country. One, two. When he gives you the money, you will fund politics. Yeah? Fund politics to make sure that people that represent Satan's values don't get into office. It will be money with a purpose. God told Israel, ask for gold, ask for silver. They did. They got everything. They got into the wilderness. They did not understand the purpose of the money. When Moses went up to receive the laws from God, all of them approached Aaron and turned the gold into a god and began to worship it. When God gives you wealth, gives you power, you don't understand the purpose, you will worship it instead of using it to worship God. We don't want that in our generation. That's a new generation here. We are here to establish the values of the kingdom of God. Love must prevail. Kindness must prevail. Excellence must prevail. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, you just say, Lord, I use your servant as a point of contact to receive impartation of grace tonight. Just say that short prayer. If any good thing you ever see, seen God do in my life, He's going to do two times, three times, four times, ten times, one hundred times in somebody's life here tonight. I see the future. I see the future. I see promotion, I see greatness. I see greatness, I see breakthroughs. By grace. 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 Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, I have done what you told me to do. Said what you asked me to say. Honor your word. 
Honor your word. I know heaven's attention is over this place right now. Because your agenda is at stake. And I know just like it was for Jesus at the river Jordan. Someone is ready. Someone is ready. So Heavenly Father, I ask for everyone under the sound of my voice. Fresh baptism. Of the power of the Holy Spirit. Fresh baptism. Fresh baptism. Baptism of power. And these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name. Or in my place. Standing like it is Christ that is standing. They shall cast out devils. Lord, I ask, by the empowerment of tonight, cause each one here that believes to run the devil out. Yes, I declare by the Spirit of God and by this empowerment, wherever you show up, demonic activities will be paralyzed. Receive a new level of spiritual authority. As a principality and power. Receive authority over cities. Authority over nations. Displace territorial spirits. Take over territories from there. Through your ministry, take over territories. Through your business or your career, take over territories. In the area of finances, take over territories. And in the area of politics, take over territory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever is present in anyone's life that does not look like Christ. It may be lack. It may be a sickness. A disease. I curse it. And every spirit behind it, I command you out in the name of Jesus. So I declare over each one, you are blessed. From here, your testimonies will be different. Walk in victory. See God's wisdom on display in your life. Receive new vision. New dreams. Experience raw power. What you could not move on your own, the power of God will move it on your behalf. You will operate in wisdom now. Like never before. I see people being repositioned. Grace is gift. Grace is carried. Grace is gift. I see gifts and talents being exposed. You will function in your area of specialty. When you function there, people will not experience you. They will experience God. In the name of Jesus. Doors open for someone on the global dimension. Your breakthrough and your leadership will be global. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to know I love you all and I'm going to hear powerful and outstanding testimonies from this church in Jesus name God bless you
Thank you for listening to this message from our annual conference, Sing Great Grace. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Towing Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m., while our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.